it's Dr. Kieran here. Welcome to Bridging Medical Paradigms. In the vast and varied landscape of medicine, from the traditional to the modern, the complementary to the conventional, all paired with shifts in societal, technological and political trends, it is a tricky and tiring affair to keep on top of. My aim is to leave you feeling empowered in your engagement with healthcare, to mitigate unnecessary experiences and aim for more positive outcomes. Here in the UK, if you've tried to make a GP appointment recently, you may have experienced that it's not quite straightforward, with a daily 8am scramble, e-consults, waiting lists, etc. Being faced with the possibility of not getting a face-to-face appointment and having a phone consultation, or being referred to another member of staff, like a pharmacist. The reasons are multifaceted, such as the tensions between a rise in the number of patients and a decline in the number of full-time GPs. But this issue is not germane to the UK. As we can see in many places, a rise in the ageing population and an increase in chronic disease prevalence, meaning there are less spots to see a GP. Observing the general news, there are movements being made to instill new contracts to improve the UK situation, but these are being debated. So let's wait and see. But what I wanted to talk about today is that when you get that appointment, Whoever it's with, on the phone or face-to-face, your time is limited. I want you to manage your appointment in an effective way to get the best possible outcome. Now, you can adapt this and make it your own, wherever you are, whatever system you are engaging with. To give you a sense of timing, the most recent poll in the British Medical Journal 2019 pre-COVID showed that in the UK, the average GP appointment is 9.2 minutes. The poll also discovered that, on average, each GP dealt with 41 patients per day, and almost 9 out of 10 salary GPs currently work part-time. The average time for GP appointments varies across Europe, so here's some trivia for you. In Sweden, patients have 22.5 minutes, in Bulgaria it's 21 minutes, and in Norway, 20 minutes. Those in Lithuania, Belgium, Portugal, Luxembourg, Iceland, Cyprus and Peru currently have 15-minute consultations. In Western Europe, only the Germans have less time, with 7.7 minutes per appointment. At the bottom of the league is Bangladesh, who get an average of, can you guess? 48 seconds. I'm not sure how that would work. Bear in mind that these are averages and dependent upon different factors. Just to throw in there, I remember when I was training at a hospital in Beijing and the patient's consultations took place collectively. It was in this large room with about three doctors. So there was no waiting room and everyone would be together listening in on each other's consultations. I would hear remarks like, ah, I think my son has that too, or... I can see, yeah, her cheeks are really red. So it was more of a social affair. Turning to private healthcare, you can pay for your own consultations or treatment as and when you need it. Or you can invest in your own health insurance. You may also be able to access private healthcare via your employer or a third-party sponsor. Appointments start at around 15 minutes. But opting for a longer appointment often means splashing more cash. You know, time is money. 
Right, let's get started. I just wanted to add, if your appointment is in person, try and take someone with you. Studies show that patients do better when they have a family member or a friend there to help ask questions and listen to the practitioner's instructions. If over the phone, you could always have someone sit next to you and have the phone on loudspeaker if convenient. But listen, don't worry if you can't, I'm going to give you a checklist. Essentially, you want to come away from your appointment satisfied in understanding A, that your GP has heard, understood and acknowledged the reason why you wanted to be seen, B, how your condition is going to be dealt with. What we are going to go through next is the problem and the plan, the two P's. Let's take the problem. As a side note, you may have been told that you can only give one problem to be dealt with. This is suggestive of one or more seemingly disconnected issues. For example, left knee injury with ongoing pain and flu. However, I think it's really important to mention whatever you are concerned about to set the foundation. They may attend to it or suggest that it will be dealt with through another appointment, but please do not ignore it just because you are told that you can only give one issue. Why is this important? Because in some cases, one condition is made up of a selection of signs and symptoms that may seem disconnected on the surface, but indicative of a deeper problem. That is where the story part is really important when you're explaining what your concerns are. Also, do not make the mistake of just giving your minor concern and then leaving out something that may have been troubling you for a while. We're going to go into all of this next. Problem. What I want you to do is to tell the story. I'm going to give you a checklist now, so please have a pen handy and fill these questions out before your appointment. 1. What is your main concern? 2. When did it start? 3. Have you experienced it before? 4. What were you doing when you first experienced it? 5. How did this concern make you feel? 6. Are there any accompanying symptoms? 7. How often does it occur? 8. What is your lifestyle like? 9. What are your relationships at home and work like? Are there any identifiable stresses? 10. Remember to bring up a pain or feeling that is bothering you even if it's embarrassing. If it's more complicated and or you have had treatment, make sure you talk about the following. 1. What helped in the past to relieve your symptoms? 2. What did not help to relieve or get rid of symptoms? 3. Did the treatment recommended in the last visit work? 4. Did the treatment cause any problems? These are really important because you don't want a repeat of a previously bad experience. 5. Have you noticed any new symptoms since your last visit? 6. Have you heard about any new treatments that you want to ask the GP about? It is also important to do double checks on the interaction between yourself and the GP. So, 
Okay, we're going to do a little bit of role play here. If your GP has not responded to one of your concerns or reassured that it is fine, even if it's a concern for you, you can say, I'm not sure you really heard how concerned I am about this. For example, stomachache. It is really impacting my life. Can you please explain my options for dealing with this? If you don't understand what your GP has said, it might be the terms that they have used, you can ask, sorry, I'm just not following you. Can you explain that in another way, please? Then repeat the information back to your GP to make sure that you have understood what they have said. If you have not understood, ask again. Can you please repeat as I am still not understanding? Now we are going to go to the plan, the second P. If your GP offers you a treatment, here are some important questions to ask and make sure to take note of the answers. 1. I understand that all treatments have risks and benefits. I'm concerned about the possible side effects. Can you please explain to me the risks and benefits of using this treatment method? If your GP gives you a leaflet, make sure you read it and ask questions about anything that you are unsure about. 2. In your experience, can you recommend any other options? 3. How long should I wait for this treatment to work? Make sure that you receive all instructions. When you get home, mark this in your diary so you are not taking anything for an unnecessarily long period of time. 4. If the problem does not get better in that time, what should I do? 5. Do I need to have any monitoring, such as blood tests, whilst I'm on this medication? And finally, 6. I think this is, you know, always important to know. What happens if I do nothing, take nothing? Your GP may suggest that you need to have tests, for example, blood tests or scans, etc. As a rule of thumb, remember to ask why you are having the tests and what it or they are going to show. If you have a more complicated condition and you receive a diagnosis from your GP, here are some important questions to ask. Make sure that you take note of the answers. 1. Why did you choose this diagnosis? Are there any specific reasons? What else could this be? Do not accept the answer because this is what I think you have. 2. Are there any tests that would help confirm this diagnosis or show that it might be something else? 3. I would like to find out more about my condition myself. Can you please recommend any support groups or organisations that can help? Do you have any information or leaflets that you can give me? 4. The GP may suggest or you can ask, do I need to see a specialist? 5. When you are at home, you can do research on your diagnosis on the internet. Check if there are any tests that are routinely done to arrive at your diagnosis. You can literally just type that into Google or whatever search engine you use. I'll go more into this in the last two points in other podcasts. You can then follow up with your GP and if you haven't had these tests, you can ask why you haven't had them. So that's a wrap. I hope this helps and you can somehow make it your own. 
Remember the two Ps, the problem and the plan. I'm wishing you all the best if you're about to make an appointment. Always be polite and remember the aim is to walk away from your appointment feeling satisfied. You have conveyed your concerns efficiently and are getting the best possible outcome. Okay, see you next week. Oh, 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 oh